Hey friends, thanks for joining me, Jim Baroud, to hear a few insights from leaders who represent our innovation ecosystem. Today's chat is with Neil Conlin, a serial entrepreneur, speaker, coach, and the founder and chief facilitator of Press Forward, and Lewis Kim, co-founder of Beltway Mergers and Acquisitions and managing partner of USON Capital Management. So let's get into it. Uh, Neil, tell us about uh, what you do now. Yeah, uh, Jim, great, great to do this with you and great to do it with Lou. I love this. So thank you for creating the space for that. Uh, I guess I call myself these days a trust facilitator uh, that I also might go as men's coach. And I typically coach both men, primarily men, some women on topics from mindset to business and all the other cool things. Great. All right, Lou. Yeah. So um, I, again, I, I appreciate being on super excited to be here. Um, so I'm, um, you know, my background is mostly in growing up in small businesses and building them. And these days um, bringing in limited partners into buying and selling and flipping businesses, primarily in the uh, senior care, um, both the assisted living and home care businesses. Great. Uh, so Neil, tell us your, your sort of, cor- I know you're in corporate and now you're doing a lot of entrepreneurial stuff. So take us back to how you got started and, and, and your journey. Yeah, uh, I'll give you the, the, the two minutes version is, uh, you know, New York City native, grew up in a pretty normal middle-class neighborhood, um, middle-class, middle-class outcome, I'll say it like that. Um, joined the Marines when I was a rambunctious teenager, didn't know what he wanted in life. Uh, came out of the Marines after serving a bunch of years and had this whole idea in my head that I was going to become a corporate CEO. And the best way for me to do that was going to be by working for CEOs. Um, and so I got corporate gigs, um, you know, working in some weird, amazing way with some of the biggest, I guess, biggest corporations on the planet at the time, companies like Cushman and Wakefield, NBC, Morgan Stanley, um, ultimately when the housing market burst, um, I got pink slipped, you know, I got let go and I couldn't process, uh, how that happened. Right. Because in the military, as long as you show up every day, do a good job, have a purpose, you're never going to get fired. Um, that sent me into the startup space where I was kind of like, I'm not going to do this corporate thing anymore. Take that risk anymore. I'm going to go risk in a place where it makes more sense to me, which is startup space. Um, did a bunch of startup things, um, still went through a same challenge and realized it was something tied to my identity. Um, and I kind of got forced to leap out into the entrepreneurial space and really start to build my own skills, tactics, strategy, practical stuff. Um, started doing that, becoming really, really successful at doing startup stuff, this whole hustle, grind, work 18 hours a day, you know, build things fast, break things. Um, still just kind of struggled this identity thing of like who I wanted to be and who I was. And to shorten the story, I got to a point, I was running sales and marketing for a company that uh, I raised a hundred million, helped raise a hundred million dollars for. Um, so really fast kind of hockey stick growth startup thing. And I just crashed and burnt and being super open and honest, I sat on a ledge uh, in Miami uh, and uh, 
really close to killing myself, like full blown, going to do it done, made my peace with everybody. And there was this little old man. It was like four o'clock in the morning. This little old janitor was walking across the concrete sweep, pushing a broom. And in that moment, it was like this lesson for me to be like, the last thing that guy should have to do is clean up my blood. And it was some kind of weird, like store, you know, message to be like, get your shit together. And so I came off of that. I did a whole bunch, you know, to shorten the story, did a whole bit, bunch, a couple of years of mindset work, personal development, holistic work, spiritual work, whatever you want to call it. And then came out on the other end, like learning all these tools and tactics that I didn't have in my life and realizing that when I spoke to other men about it, they were missing so many of these pieces. And really when, before COVID had happened, I'd already started being like, I can hear guys and hear the, the spaces and the places and the things that they need to hear and started kind of build a community out of it. And then when COVID happened, I realized men needed places to go to do this. So all through COVID, I started running these in-person retreats and now it's kind of morphed and grown exponentially over the past couple of years. And so now it's uh, virtual online groups, a community of, of men that you know talk back and forth in different ways on different channels and platforms, one-on-one -on -one coaching, uh, weekends together, retreats together. And now we're actually going into the infancy of building out a conference program as well. Thank you for that, Neil. Um, that is a, a harrowing journey, um, but very, very personal. And thanks, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So how about you? I, I, I love Neil where you went with that because you just opened the door to everything. And it's funny because the themes along the way, especially with the identity and going down the path, um, it's one that is very similar to mine. It's just completely different backgrounds. Um, I was fortunate enough. I grew up in a very entrepreneurial home. You know, immigrant parents who came with nothing worked in factories and started to build businesses and family has probably been involved in every stereotypical business that a Korean American would have owned throughout the nineties and early two thousands. So been a part of it, the first job I ever had was eight years old working in my parents' liquor store. So do, doing their lottery machine. And um, I, I always just had a sense they probably would not end up working for somebody else. And um, so through my life, I got involved with my first business, my early twenties um, which took me on a path of entrepreneurship and then ended up in, um, you know, various businesses, uh, everything from retail to government contracting, and then found my way into, re um, into doing real estate deals and then, you know, raising money and, and now buying businesses. And what's interesting is um, the, the story that Neil shared about sort of literally sitting on the ledge is I, I struggled with identity for a big chunk of my life. And it's kind of why my career path sort of zigs and zags so much is you're trying to hold on to something, right? The, the thing that is you or, or, or the thing that you're identifying most with. And in 2015, 2016, sold the business, was sitting on a decent amount of money and just hit this point of, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. And, um, and and this was after you know years of being in therapy because I was unhappy with sort of the work and where I was. And um, it, it's kind of how Neil and I connected was um, I think 2018, 2019, I'd started going down the path of Tony Robbins and, and really enjoying what he had to say. And uh, we, we connected through a, a Facebook group and there was this interesting thing. <laughs> Neil is, um, 
he has a very interesting online presence. And uh, in this Facebook group, um, it was during or after a UPW. He's got the beard. He's got the hair. He's there. And he's videoing himself walking his horses. I, I don't, I, I, I forgot the term, Neil. I, I keep thinking it's hot walking. But that's not it. You're, you're like in the stable and you've got the horse. And something about what he was doing just kept drawing me to him. Here's this big, powerful animal. Here's this guy that looks like almost like a biker. And there's just this calm energy of working this horse around. And for whatever reason, I reached out. And that's kind of when we started working together. Thank you for that. That, that That's thanks for, for being honest about your, your background. That's, that's really interesting. Um, and thank you for sharing with us. So let's talk about that. You did get started. You know, let's dive into that a little bit more. How did you find Neil and how did you get started? Well, so so through the Tony Robbins and through the Facebook um, groups and the online messaging, we, we probably spent a year and a half, almost two years of just messaging back and forth. And then um, Neil um, offered coaching and, you know, sort of consulting. And, and so we started working together uh, because I'd gotten to a place where as I was reestablishing my identity as, as, a, as a person and an entrepreneur and, and what I was doing, um, I, I really was looking to have someone help me guide me along the way. And, um, you know, Neil's background was was coming from the total opposite. And I grew up and everything I'd done and was in small business. And here Neil's coming more from a corporate environment. And there was something there that just felt right. And so and so we started working together. And um it's the lesson that, um, that that you learn that you know in, in every business and everything that that you do in entrepreneurship, the the leader of the ship is is the biggest bottleneck, right? And and our development of who we are and and how evolved and whatever our skills are ultimately are going to determine the ceiling of what we're capable of doing. And um, I had sort of created a very low ceiling for myself because of my own expectations and my own lack of understanding of who I truly was and, and where, where I needed to go. And, and it's really through the process of working with Neil that's helped me kind of go down that road. Great. Neil, tell that story from your perspective. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And, and very much, you know, backing up before, you know, that video of, of me lunging my horse um, you know, I had been, I'd been running this big company and had endless resources and basically had made a business agreement, you know, with my partner at the time that I was going to go on the road and be the kind of road salesman, road speaker, face of the company. And he was going to stay back in the rear and he was going to manage all the operations. And I would book my travel so that for a couple of years on the weekends, I'd be in an ashram in India on the weekend or um, doing plant medicine in Peru or, you know, stepping off into a yoga retreat or something so that I could do all the business things, but also do my own kind of mindset, personal work. And then I had gotten into kind of the Tony Robbins community and I, and what I realized with a lot of the personal development kind of conference space, um, and this isn't to slight any of the folks that do that work, I think it's meaningful and it's an amazing kind of entry point into it, is that the execution of it or the practical implementation of the lessons into 
you know, follow through, especially for men is hard. It's just hard. And so I started putting myself out there and recognizing that like, it's just hard and recognizing that with a little bit of accountability, a little bit of interpretation, a little bit of support and like having the resilience, right? I, th I think Lou's right. Like, I think I talked to him for like a year. You will not find anybody else on this planet that has the resilience that I do for this conversation. And it's just because I have a lot of empathy. I have a shit ton of empathy for how hard it is that the, depending on your race, creed, color, gender, like if you were brought up Asian, if you were brought up white, if you were brought up black, if you were brought up Democrat, you were brought up Republican, you were brought up hippie, you were brought up as a doctor, like that road is completely, now while you have to learn it, if you choose, that road is carved out for you probably like 75%. And you will spend a duration of your life carving out the other 25% of like, I want to listen to different music or make more money or less money or do something a little different than my mom or dad did. And in the world of entrepreneurship and in the world of today, there is, if you get the opportunity to, you will be able to take a plow off of that path and you will be able to 100% carve out whatever it is that you want to be in your life. But you have to realize that you act actively have to carve that out. And so I, I don't know, call it a greater calling to myself, call it whatever it is. I tend to attract men and women who are actively willing to be like, you know what, this track that I'm on is just not the right track. And, you know, Lou started to demonstrate that. And it's been amazing because he, Lou, I think I could say this because I love you and you love me, but it's like, he would try and avoid the conversation. And, and I recognize that because I remember when I used to avoid the conversation, I knew the feelings that I had around it. And so I had a lot of empathy for that. And so I would just support him in that moment. And, and we established trust, right? And, and, and then over time, it wasn't about converting into a coaching client. It was really about like trusting and building trust and building a relationship because I fully have embraced in my own life that everything happens at the speed of trust. Everything. You trust it, you'll do it. You don't got to think twice about it. And so, you know, that led us to the point of starting to work together. And now I think for the year and a half or so that we've worked together, um, it's just been amazing. You, you know, um, Neil, and you see hundreds, if not thousands of entrepreneurs, right? And you've seen folks like Lou. Um, tell us that perspective. And then I want to hear Lou's perspective on, uh, on where he's come, you know, from working with you um, over the past year or so. So how does he fit into sort of the demographic or uh, the typical entrepreneur, if there is one? Yeah, the, the, the entrepreneur paradigm is a funny animal. And I'm sure you know this too, Jim, from your experiences, because when, when somebody leaps out into the entrepreneur word, we suddenly, for some reason, feel like we're different. I'm different than everybody else around me. 
And the funny thing is about entrepreneurship is like what you don't realize is that you are so much like every other entrepreneur from that point forward. There is this constant like um, having to prove yourself, having to, are you doing the right thing? Shiny object syndrome of getting distracted by other things. Am I in the right place at the right time? Am I doing the right thing for my family? But there's this calling that I have to do more beyond myself. Like there's all these like signals that as you mature in the entrepreneurship game, you suddenly have to like get the notches in the belt to understand that this is all part of the process. Right. And like one of the biggest things that I, that, that comes up for me to share with you is like one of my early experiences with a, a former mentor was like, they explained to me that nobody who has been through what you have been through will ever cast shade on what you're doing because they will understand the pain point. So you can be like, yeah, I put a business into a ground, into the ground. I failed at this. This sales process didn't work. This marketing experience didn't work. The way I thought this was going to pan out, my client didn't work out. Anybody who's been through that is literally going to have this empathy mechanism to be like, yeah, I know what that's like, man. I've been there. Right. And, and, and Lou hits, is hitting many, many, many of those pieces, you know, and, you know, one of the things I think why it's important for people to have coaches or an accountability group or a place is a place where you can leave your ego at the door and explain like, this is super uncomfortable, especially with people talking about a recession. It's like, I may have to make cuts. I may have to change my model. I may have to get rid of this vendor. I may have to budget cut. I may have to think about this thing, right? But if you don't have a place or a person that can say, yeah, that's normal, then you will kind of spin gears and get stuck and all that type of stuff. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. It's the, the importance of advisors and coaches and, and just friends, right? And family to, to support you is so, is so, is so uh, critical. So Lou, tell us about how you've grown since you've worked with Neil and where you still have to go. Where are some of those gaps as you see them? So in, in terms of the actual growth, I, I going back, if you had told me it was going to take over a year, almost two years to get to where I am today, I probably would have told you I wasn't interested because I wanted it now. Having said that, now I can look back on where, where I've been and where I am today is I'm, I'm just a completely different person. And it's been through the guidance and, and really helping um, there, it's just, there's so many dynamics to, to it, but ultimately it's just coming to really working on yourself. And, and these are phrases and terms as I'm saying them, I cringe a little bit because they're, they become so tropey in, in our lexicon. But the reality is, is the more that you as a person work on yourself, like the deep internal things, and that's like, it's healing the trauma right? It, it's, it's, and, and we all have them. And, and, you know, cause to a child, something simple could be a very traumatic thing that they hold on to for their entire life. You know, it's, 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 it's giving forgiveness, right? It's, it's just letting these things go and it's releasing shame. All of these things, they weigh us down. And as people who want to 
be high performers and want to be out there, we don't understand how much that just drags us along and how much of a weight it is to carry all of that day in and day out. And it manifests itself in little things like, and, and Neil alluded to it is like deflecting, right? Because you just don't want to deal with it right now and it's self-deprecation. But where I am today is there's so much more awareness of myself, which also has allowed me to be so much more aware in the way I communicate with other people, in the way I deal with relationships with other people, which just makes me better as an entrepreneur and, and as someone in business, because I, I see people now for where they are. And it makes it easier for me to meet them where they are, rather than constantly trying to force someone to meet me where I am with something. Um, and and it's been fundamentally changing. And, and now the ceiling that we all self-impose is just continuously being pushed up. And, and you had asked about where, where, where do I need to go? I mean, you know, like anything, it's like you get good at something, you want to get better and better. And so I'm at that point where I just want to be more and more in touch with being at that level where I feel constantly that I'm at my best. And, I, and, and that will be an ever moving target. But as long as on a daily basis, I can find myself there and I can push it and push it and sort of maintain that threshold, then I know I'm consistently growing and, and being in the right place. Good. Thanks for that, Lou. So, uh, Neil, tell us about trends you're seeing. So uh, Lou is one of the superstars who's, who's done really great um, uh, under your guidance. Tell us what you're seeing overall. Are, are there certain things that we should sort of be aware of? Yeah. Uh, um, so let, over the past couple of months, right, uh, because of, I mean, I'm, I'm beyond the, the, the men's work and the coaching work, um, you know, I've, I've kind of become a very trusted advisor because I think people, right, business people, startup people, investors, angels, institutions, whoever it is, they recognize that like this thing that I've, this work that I've done, like they can trust my instinct. They can trust my pulse. And to your point, I'm talking to hundreds of people every week. My, my partner sometimes is like, I don't even know how you could possibly talk to as many people as you do. Cause I literally pick up the phone, hang up the phone, call the next person. The next person calls me, the next call is scheduled sometimes 12, 10, 12 hours a day, but I've become very good at like this pulse. And so, um, some of the things that comes up for me is last week, for example, I did a keynote at a fortune 500 company that shut down for a whole week so they could do a, a sales retraining. And the topic of conversation uh, for me to do a keynote on was combating apathy post, uh, post COVID, right? And there's this huge thing going on where I actually don't feel at all that there's a recession. The recession is just the word is just being interpreted. That's why, I mean, that's why the government actually changed the word. I think it was like 85 days, 85 times in one day, they redid the Wikipedia or something like that because they were trying to change the language. We're actually not in a recession or are we going into recession? The challenge is, is that post COVID, both from a uh, mental perspective and from a parasympathetic nervous perspective, we've all kind of stepped into this apathy idea, which is 
things don't feel the way that we're comfortable with. And therefore we're going to pause on everything a little bit. And so if everybody pauses a little bit, then number one, you have to have empathy for the fact that everybody's feeling apathetic, right? To throw some metrics out there, 45% of the workforce reports daily feeling some form of depression in some way, shape or form. So your chances of engaging with somebody um, with depression daily is pretty much guaranteed. Now, why that's important is because you will take that engagement home with you at the end of the day, right? And so um, that is like just the evolving infinity loop that goes on right now is that um, I don't think there's a recession. I think everyone's just in a state of ap apathy. Um, number two, what's beautiful about this is that with forced change, people from a historical cyclical fashion are more open to, well, I can't trust my government. I can't trust the economy. I can't trust the news. I'm going to do some more introspective work. I'm going to focus more on me. I'm going to focus more on my own happiness. Then the evolution of that, and this is my third and final one, is like then once you've done this kind of intentional interpersonal work, you then kind of realize that you only want to be around more people who are used to doing this type of work. And therefore, there's kind of these new allegiances, new tribes, new kind of perspectives aligning to be like, I would much rather be with a group of people who are doing interpersonal work than a bunch of people with pitchforks who are running around damning somebody else uh, on the other side of the street. Those are the three big ones. Hmm. That's really interesting. Um, and, and, and since you're in the sales, you know, you're an expert in sales, has sales, the process changed fundamentally because of COVID and the pandemic and virtual, or is that, are people coming back and, you know, what's changed in, in the sales sort of area? Yeah, I love this question. I mean, I, I one of my foundation beliefs or values is that everything happens at the speed of trust, right? Sales more than anything, right? I, you know, uh, you had made it one comment about business earlier on this podcast, and like one of the things that I've kind of been known for over time is um, because I didn't come from a traditional sales background, I kind of leaped into it. Um, I always thought it was weird or awkward that most businesses will say, you know, when you open a business, you should start going to your friends and family, start raising investment capital, friends and family, get your friends and family as your first customers, turn into referrals. I've always thought that was a terrible idea because you actually get no clear data points as to like, is your product actually going to work in the marketplace? You actually do yourself a disservice by wasting your time from operating from your own place of ego because you need your business to thrive and be successful initially. And so now post COVID, this whole idea of everything happens based on how fast somebody trusts something, right? It has nothing to do with the budget. It has nothing to do with the brand. It has nothing to do with your marketing execution. Um, it has to do with the fact of, do you trust this thing? And, and how fast can you build trust with somebody in order for them to buy the thing? Now, what that's done in some of the businesses that I work with, it is severely speed, sped up the sales process. 
if you can build trust and build an intentional kind of, if you can take the time and slow down the sales conversation and build a little bit more of a heavier relationship with somebody, um, they will move very fast through your sales process. If you're, if, and this is the other part of that is, is that if you're sticking to what everybody else is doing, right? Autom trying to automate your email processes, trying to slap people with acquisition models over SEO and Facebook ads and just bombarding them with things, you take the risk of extremely turning people off now versus before they'd be like, well, I don't mind your email hitting my inbox. I don't mind getting the ad. I don't mind getting it. People are so turned off by that, that you take the risk of losing a customer like for good. Got it. And what about virtual? Is that here to stay for sales or, or is in-person hybrid coming back? What's your take on that? You know, um, it's it's been interesting. I think that um, there has been this catalyst um, in, in one of the thesis that I've worked on for one of the investment groups I work with, this catalyst of virtual stuff and people are now able to learn, you know, faster, better, quicker, and cheaper. Right. Why would I go to a conference when I can learn on YouTube or do the virtual event? Um, I think it is. Um, I think it really is going to be changing kind of the categories a little bit. I think the actual like there, there is there, there is going to be this kind of, well, I could just learn the thing or I could go to the in-person, build community, meet people. And then like the, those two things, I think, are separating out based on the fact of how people are interpreting that. Hmm. Um, I also think like one thing that's been interesting is going back to being more intentional in sales. Um, I've got many examples over the past couple of months where I'm because my, I have a muscle for travel. I have a muscle for saying, I, I'll come see you tomorrow and go on an airplane. Um, a few weeks ago, I went to... Maybe last month, I went to Chicago and met with 10 potential customers for one of the businesses I advised. And they were all like, could not believe how meaningful it was to actually have somebody come out of state and see them in person and bring the coffee and bring the donuts and actually be like, how can I help you guys? And so it is in line with this whole recession thing that you can either um, contract, right? That's that feeling that everyone's going through right now. And the challenge with that contraction is that you've got to learn that this is when you have to invest in going forward, right? Because if, if you don't, it creates this uh, fragility that then leads to kind of austerity and leads to apathy. And then when the, when the economy starts to churn again, the wheels start to pick up and move again, you then just from like an inertia perspective will then have to catch up to where, where everything is. Yeah, that's, that's really well said. So I, I'm not sure, but let us know if you're going to be talking is that's one of the topics at your upcoming conference. Tell us more about that. Yeah. I, I having been through a couple of different um, recessions in my life, um, I built this weird muscle 
over time, like going back to the beginning of this, and I think Lou, this will resonate with Lou, it's like when you're focused on your identity and the identity doesn't make sense, you will naturally not be able to like align with what's going on around you, right? Because you're too busy trying to figure out like, where do I fit in? Where do I fit in this mix? And so some of the most successful times in my life have all been when everybody else was sucking wind. And I don't know whether that's a military thing I just kind of picked up where I dig my feet in differently, but like 2007, 2008 housing market, loved that time. Uh, you know, a uh, couple other times when the economy dipped, COVID was fantastic for me, like loved it because I had the mindset, right, not to let myself drift too far into it. Now I'm in a place where and this is where this whole conference idea and, and a big piece of my community has come up is like a couple of months ago uh, when people start to talk about recession, I'm on the phone with VCs and private equity guys and girls and we're talking about, all right, right, the traditional investor model, which I'm sure you're very familiar with, is like we, we have a model, the economy looks like it's going to be going like this, we need to start building the war chest, coming up with strategies, coming up with formulas, and they start talking about how do we handle supply chain? How do we handle Ukraine? How do we handle politics? How do we handle the economy? And I sat down in these meetings and I'm like, it's kind of messed up for like the average everyday entrepreneur, small business owner who is literally just looking at their spreadsheet or CRM every day, trying to get another two or three clients a month, doing all the networking. And while they're focused on their business, being in the business, maybe peeking out around and seeing what's going on every now and again, that they just don't have access to the tools, practices, and resources that a VC or, or a private equity person who is trying to hedge their investment as much as they can just by going, join this program, put the money in this account. Maybe let's pull back on this vendor. Maybe let's pull forward on, the, on this investment. Maybe let's come up with a whole new um, user acquisition strategy. Maybe let's change our sales process a little bit. Maybe let's discount everybody in the first year so that we can use it to acquire more customers and then we'll, we'll upsell and upcharge them after recession. So we'll make our money back on the investment, right? All of these things are curating. And I was like, I got to start taking this information out to people that don't have access to it in a meaningful way. And that was how we got to the point where I was like, I think I got to do it in-person conference or in-person and virtual conference. I got to start talking about this because I have the mindset in place to be able to process these formulas the, and the strategies. The main piece is, is that you got to be in the mindset in order to understand it, right? Because you can give people the formulas, A squared plus B squared equals C squared, whatever it is, but you have to be in a place to recognize that if the formula is not working. You just got to be able to swap out the variables. Got it. And when, when is that? I will put the link in the show notes, but tell us when and where it is. Yeah, so the conference uh, is in person in Tampa, Florida. Uh, it's going to be September 30th through October 2nd. It's a whole weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Friday is dedicated to all the business recession-proofing. Uh, we're going to talk about crypto. We're going to talk about investing. Uh, Saturday is all meant to be about mindset work, resilience, and then we're going to make it super cool in the evenings and talk about metaphysics 
uh, and the importance of believing in something greater than yourself, whatever that is for you. And then Sunday morning is all about health and wellness and take care of yourself uh, because you have to physically be able to understand all these things, you know, take care of your body and stuff like that. Awesome. And on top of that, it'll be virtual as well. Awesome. That, that sounds really exciting. Okay. So this has been a great conversation. Uh, we usually end with a, a quote or a saying or a poem. So uh, Lou, I'm going to uh, ask you to, to chip in first. Go ahead. Yeah. So the, the quote I have to share is um, it's, a, it's from Confucius. It's our, our greatest glory is not in never failing, but in rising every time we fall. I love that. I love that. Neil, go ahead. So my quote, I heard this uh, a few weeks ago from, from my, one of my coaches, Jesse Itzler. Um, and he was talking on stage and he said, uh, someone please explain to me what a recession really is. He said, it is not like the banks take uh, dump trucks full of money out of them and burn them. You just have to follow where the money went. That's a great, that's a great, that's another great one. And so appropriate for, for the time we're in right now. Yeah. I want to thank both of you for, for doing this. Uh, this is great, great insights. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please like it, leave a review and subscribe. See you soon.